as we turn to our scripture reading for this morning. Please join me in a prayer for illumination. Lord, Holy Spirit, open our ears to hear, our minds to understand, and our hearts to receive the word. Plant that word down deep in us. Cause it to bear fruit, we pray, so that by your power we might become more and more like Jesus, to live more fully to the praise and glory of the Father. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Matthew's Gospel, uh, chapter 13, verses 24 through 30, and you'll find that on page 1393 in your pew Bibles if you'd like to follow along. Listen for the word of the Lord. Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, Sir, didn't you sow good wheat in your field? Where then did these weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servant said to him, Do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds up, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest, and at that time I will tell the harvesters, First, collect the weeds and tie them in bundles to be burned. Then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. The word of the Lord. I keep coming back and back and back to this parable. Anyone who's in any of my classes at Western Theological Seminary is going to hear it at least once over the semester and probably more than that. That's because there are so many ways, aren't there, that we experience the reality of what Jesus is describing here, of wheat and weeds growing together, of good and harm all tangled up with each other, and of how hard it can be sometimes to discern the wheat from the weeds. That was actually one of the aspects of this parable that everybody hearing it the first time from Jesus would have known about without it having to be spelled out. Apparently, the kind of weeds that we're talking about here looked just like the wheat at first. You couldn't tell the difference between the weeds and the wheat until it was too late to do anything about it because by then, trying to pull up the weeds would mean pulling up the wheat as well. There are so many directions that we could take, aren't there, when we think about the implications of this parable from the very earliest days uh, many have interpreted this parable and then Jesus' explanation, which he gives a little bit later in the chapter, as a very sobering reminder about the church, that the church is a mixed and a mixed-up group of folks, and there is no such thing as a perfectly pure church this side of eternity. We have a wheat and a weeds church, Alger Park Church, my church in Holland, every other church. There will be so many good things about what you are doing here as you seek to love God and neighbor. But there will also be things that aren't so good too. Things you get wrong as individuals and together in your lives, in your witness. I don't know what those things are, the wheat things and the weed things, but I know you'll have them. 
because every church does. And I suspect if each one of you were to come up to me after the service and tell me what you think are the weak things and the weed things about Alger Park Church, I bet there would be some different things that count as wheat and weeds for different people who come and tell me about them because that's what it's like. It's complicated, right? And then magnify that I don't know how many times for the wider church, for our denomination, for so many others torn apart by disputes over what some people think is good gospel wheat and other people think are pernicious weeds. And then think of the wider church too, which really does seek to witness to Christ and the gospel and the kingdom now and to come, but which has done and continues to do so much that hurts and destroys people's lives. And it seems like every week there's a new scandal about a prominent church or a prominent church pastor, and this past week has been no different. Wheat and weeds tangled up everywhere in the fields of each of our churches and of the church as a whole. And, of course, it is a wheat and weeds world too. So much good, so much potential to do good in ideas and technologies and hopes and dreams which all seem to get so quickly and easily twisted and derailed into things that end up doing harm. The harsh reality often is that even when we uh, seem to take actions that look like they are in step with the coming kingdom, even so they can drag unintended consequences along with them. Wheat and weeds growing together. None of this means that we should stop seeking to live as best we can in ways that we think are consonant with the coming kingdom of justice and righteousness and flourishing for all people and the whole of creation. But it does mean that until Jesus comes again to set all things right and make all things new, there will always be weeds entangled among the wheat. And then there's our wheat and weeds selves. Because like the famous Solzhenitsyn quote has it, the line between good and evil runs right through each one of our hearts. We have wheat and weeds all tangled up in ourselves too. And don't we need to remember that in our current climate when it is all so easy to paint us and our side as always right, as the pure and unadulterated wheat and those people over there as the pernicious weeds that need to be uprooted and thrown out. I've done that. I'm sure you've done that too, even if we don't always want to admit it. And I think that kind of thing might be one of the reasons why one aspect of this parable in particular keeps on leaping out at me uh, for our time and our culture. I want to focus on that part where the field workers want to eliminate the weeds. And the field owner basically says to them, nope, hand over your weed whackers. I mean, didn't you feel it in your gut when I read the parable? The field workers are right, aren't they? They're right to be filled with righteous indignation. The master had sown good wheat in a good field, and now an enemy has come along and wrecked it all. They're angry about the damage the weeds are doing to the wheat. They're angry about the injustice done to the field owner. 
They're also probably angry that this has ruined all of their good work so far and it's going to make their job from now on a good deal harder. They have a right to be angry and to their credit, they want to set things right. And they think they know exactly how to do that. Shall we go and uproot those weeds? How about you? What are you angry about? Because a lot of us are angry about a lot of things right now. And it seems as, we ha- as though we have been for years. About political stuff, about ongoing COVID stuff, about church stuff, maybe a situation for you or your family, an injustice against someone you care about, or something in the wider community or the nation. I don't know about you, but there are times when I could be angry about something pretty much every day. And if I'm not careful, whenever I look at my Twitter feed or go on news websites or whatever, I end up feeling really angry about something or someone, and that's even before I read the comments. Oh my goodness, when will I ever learn just never, ever read the comments on any article about anything? (laughs) Yeah, amen, sisters and brothers. Doesn't it seem like so much of our culture now just wants to stoke our anger? And when I get angry about something, I am filled with what I am 100% sure is righteous indignation, and I want to whack weeds, because I am also 100% sure I know the weeds from the wheat and in whatever issue it is that is making my blood boil, and those weeds are choking the life out of people. They seem to be wrecking any chance there is of a harvest of righteousness and peace and justice and mercy in whatever that situation is, and I want those weeds gone. And so, before you can even say the parable of the wheat and the weeds, I'm already in the field, right? I'm pulling up weeds like crazy. But hey, I don't want to just do this the old-fashioned way. I am not just going to pull them up by hand. There are way too many weeds out there. No, I need the biggest, most high-powered weed whacker that there is on the market, and you better keep out of my way because I'm, like, really small, okay, and not very strong, so I'm going to be all over the place with this thing. And so there I am, whacking weeds in my thoughts, in my words, spoken, emailed, tweeted, Facebooked, whatever, and in my deeds, too. But I got me some weeds, right? I killed some weeds. That's what matters. And killing those weeds feels so darned good, doesn't it? And then I stop. And I look at the damage I've caused around me, And I look at the damage within me. And I'm horrified by what I've said and what I've done and who I'm becoming. I see that I have basically laid waste to the little corner of the field that God has given me to work in. Oh yes, there might be some dead weeds lying around, but there are also decapitated wheat stalks everywhere. And yeah, there are shriveled up weeds where I sprayed some poison, but I sprayed it all over the place. And so now I've poisoned so much else as well. And there are still weeds, darn it. Always more weeds. And what good have I done versus what damage I've caused to myself and to others? 
Now, don't get me wrong here, I do not for a minute think this parable is saying that we should be apathetic in the face of injustice, for example, that we just shouldn't bother or care about the harm being done to others or to God's good creation. Just sit back, do nothing, wait for God to sort it all out when the end comes. No. If the parable were just saying that, the entire weight of the law and the prophets and the entire weight of Jesus' ministry too would be against it. So Jesus clearly isn't saying that. But I do think the parable is saying be very, very careful that in your anger you don't preempt the judgment of God, especially the judgment of God on people. When you and I are seeing red, when in our righteous indignation we are absolutely convinced we have understood everything perfectly and we know exactly who is utterly wrong and why they are utterly wrong and out of my way because I am the weed racker and I am coming through, when we are convinced that those people who think like that are devil-sown weeds and we need to slash them down, figuratively or literally, well then, I think we are in very, very deep trouble. When the field owner says to those indignant workers, no, you are not to pull up the weeds, they will have to stay until the harvest, that is Jesus saying to us, you are not the ultimate judge, and you are not the one to bring ultimate judgment. And my goodness, don't we need to hear that as a warning in our polarized wheat and weeds world and church, because let's be honest, far more often than we would like to admit, we all think and speak and act as if we are the ultimate judge and as if we can exercise ultimate judgment. Jesus gets at this same point when he explains the parable to his disciples a little later in the chapter. He tells them, oh yes, there is evil and there will be ultimate judgment and ultimate justice when all sin and all causes of sin will be taken away, but absolutely not by us and absolutely not right now. Our partial and provisional judgments on people and situations are not the judgment, as if there were no salvation outside of our opinion. What we are called to do, though, is what those field workers in the parable are going to have to continue to do until the harvest. We are called to tend the wheat, even though there are weeds all around. So where is the wheat that you can tend and to help flourish, even though the field is a mixed bag, even though you can't eradicate everything that makes it hard for the wheat to grow well? Where is the wheat of the kingdom that you contend and help to flourish? Where are the situations uh, where people are struggling in whatever way where you can encourage and help? Where are the situations of hurt or injustice where your voice might just make a difference? What are the ways that you can bring a little taste of renewal and restoration to people and places? Those field workers in the parable are called to help the wheat to flourish in spite of the weeds until the harvest comes, and so are we. And then something else those field workers will have to do until harvest time is limit the damage the weeds are doing. 
We're not going to be able to eradicate the weeds. We're not even going to be able to properly identify the weeds all of the time. But when you think you've identified something that's preventing the flourishing of the wheat, when you think you've discerned how something is contrary to the coming kingdom, what can you do to try to limit the damage that's causing? And how can you do that in a way that will not pull up the wheat too? in a way that will not set you at odds with the values of the kingdom in the process. So hand over your weed whackers, friends, and instead, by the grace and the calling of the Holy Spirit, let's each of us do what we can do to help the wheat of the kingdom to flourish and to limit the damage being done by the weeds. Let us follow Christ in seeking to be agents of healing and love, and justice, and peace, and restoration, and reconciliation, and wholeness to those little corners of the field that God has given us to work in. And as best we can discern those things, to do that in those places where we see that weeds have brought hurt, and harm, and injustice, and strife. And remember, no matter how it looks at the moment, the weeds will not win. Jesus Christ, the eternal Son, came among us as purest, finest wheat into the field of this world that was choked with the weeds of sin and evil and death. But on the cross, the weeds seemed to choke him, to choke the life out of him. Evil seemed to have won. And yet, the weeds did not win and the weeds will not win. Jesus rose from the dead to show us that and every time we come to this table to eat this bread and to drink this cup, we proclaim the Lord's saving death until he comes again. In the meanwhile, we seek the flourishing of the kingdom wheat and to limit the damage done by the weeds, trusting that when he comes again in glory, he will bring true judgment and ultimate justice. He will set all things right and make all things new. Pray with me. Holy and loving God, as we turn from reflecting on your word to tasting and seeing your goodness at your table, May this sacrament remind us that in spite of all the weeds, there is still wheat. We thank you that at this table we feast on the bread of heaven. And we pray that by your word and in this sacrament, you'll nourish and sustain us in hope as we tend the little patch of the field that's been given to us until the kingdom fully comes and all the damage done by all the weeds will be undone. And we will celebrate together the feast of the Lamb in the new creation. Come, Lord Jesus, come quickly. Amen.